0: Oh my god. We uh, thank you for the uh, food that mom has put in front of us and stop. The uh, the devil
1: from doing bad things and uh get
2: out of here.
0: Uh Satan
1: go!
2: Go! So that we may live in peace. Amen.
0: Amen. That was, hmm, really unusual, Hogarth. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. Are you sure about that, James? Oh, because I was totally going to say Colin. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And we are back without a special guest this time. No... Yeah, well, we're all special, really.
2: Yes, we're special, just like everyone else.
0: And if everyone's special, no one will be. Now, that's an appropriate quote, of course, because that is a reference to The Incredibles, which is a movie by Brad Bird. And this time we are also talking about, I think, his first film, if I'm not mistaken. His first directorial film.
2: Directorial
0: debut. Nice. And that is The Iron Giant, which is based on a book by Ted Hughes. There we go. By Ted Hughes. Called The Iron Man. Yes. Subsequently retitled, to tie in with the movie, to The Iron Giant. Well, actually, they renamed the book because uh, Iron Man was a comic character here. So to avoid the conflict. Is that... Okay, so... Really? With, I don't know much about the background of this book. Maybe you could fill some of that in. Yes, please do. If you know.
1: It's a science fiction book, and it's really intended for kids, because I think it's about seven and a half pages long. In its un uh, unillustrated <laughs> format. Yeah. Uh, oh, really? Okay. I yeah.
2: was going to say my copy was a bit longer than that, but it was slightly illustrated.
0: When you drop below 20 words per page,
2: yeah. then, then
0: there's yeah, a yeah, stretching yeah. effect that happens. Touche. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, because mine was like 70, or I think maybe it was like 90 pages, and but it was, yeah, very heavily illustrated. Mm-hmm. Right i should mention that um roger from the geek likes actually had asked us to do this one a while back and we elected not to do it right away and we did the stepford wives instead which was another one of his requests um so thanks roger for the suggestion
2: i think we were waiting for this uh movie to come out again uh, yes that's
0: exactly yet. why yeah. and colin you can talk about that
1: well we learned that brad bird
0: and uh i think dreamworks animation
1: was the production company um We're going to re-release the movie with two brand new scenes, clean up the animation, change the sound or update the soundtrack. And then at the end of the movie, uh, there will be uh, a making of video, a a historical video. Uh, And the cool thing about it was Fathom Events picked it up and would broadcast it in your local uh, movie theater.
0: Yeah. So two out of three of us, the non-slackers in the group actually went and (laughs) saw it in the theater. You might guess who the slacker was, So that was me. Yes. So I just had to... I, I can be the one who asks you guys what was different about the, the theatrical one. Um, yes. So I had actually never seen the movie. I, I had seen bits and pieces of it, but when I actually sat down and watched the whole thing, I thought, okay, I don't remember this story at all. I hadn't seen it either. This is my first time, and I regret that now. You feel like it, it would have been one your boys would
1: have enjoyed? Oh, totally.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I would
1: say so. Uh, sitting behind us was a dad with two little boys who might have been five and three, six and four, about that age. They had the entire movie memorized. In fact, dad was saying, now look, some <laughs> of these people haven't seen it yet, so don't spoil it by saying all the words. <laughs> nice. And he tri- that kid tried really hard for maybe 10 minutes. And
2: <laughs> hmm, I, tried- I don't really remember when I first saw it, but I know I saw it because I recognized
0: pretty much... All of the major plot points in the movie. I guess it is worth uh, mentioning when the movie actually came out. 1999. Okay, so you were what, 19 then? Yeah, I would have been 19. So I don't yeah, know 18, where 19. I would have seen it because I was in the Navy at the time and half the time I, well, I was spent underwater. The Navy is is totally in this movie too. So. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, we should perhaps first talk about the book though.
2: Yes. Okay.
0: I thought it was interesting... Initially, when I heard that it was titled The Iron Man, I thought, okay, well, it must have come out before Iron Man was actually part of pop culture. But it sounds like it was written maybe in the UK? Yes. You you know that for a fact? Ted Hughes is English?
1: Ted Hughes is English and he is a British, well, was a, a British poet laureate. Oh, wow. Nice. Cool. And so it's possible that Ted Hughes never heard of or saw the Iron Man comics.
0: Yeah, that is, and and they're not that far apart in time because I I initially thought well it must have been published maybe in the fifties before Iron Man came along but Iron Man is I think early sixties and this is nineteen sixty eight for for the Ted Hughes book mm-hmm. I would be interested to know if the original illustrations if if I had the edition with the original in- illustrations in it or another version because I see, I see on the Wikipedia page, there's two different illustrators listed one for the first edition and one for a 1985 edition.
2: Hmm, I don't a, know. Good question.
0: Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk, I mean, I guess we, we should talk about the story, right? Um, right. and I, I could go this time, I guess it's, uh, this iron giant shows up of unknown origin, kind of befriends a kid and, um, extraterrestrial origin. Yeah. But w- we don't necessarily know that, I guess. Yeah. The well, kid doesn't okay. know. Fair um, enough. And uh, that's pretty much the story. <laughs> <laughs> the,
2: the giant saves the day.
0: Yes. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the giant shows up. They they do. He does eat all the uh, farmer's equipment. They do trap him. Yes. And they realize the error of their way, and he saves the day. That's a common thread, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the edition that I had, the illustrator listed is Laura Carlin, and I have to say I found the illustrations really, really childish. Mm-hmm. You know, like 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 I was looking at it and I'm like, well, I could have done that artwork, <laughs> and, and that does not appeal to me um, because I'm not much of an artist. Right. So I I really would have. Liked to have seen some of the other editions of it. If if I'd had known before now that there were multiple versions of it, I would have tried to get some of the others just to compare the illustrations. Because like the the book cover shown on the Wikipedia page is is much more kind of 1950s uh, science fiction serial kind of artwork mm-hmm. looking, a little more detailed um, too. Yeah, I would I would put that as the uh, the episode artwork, but. The re-release movie poster is pretty rad, so I think that's the one I got to go with. Yeah. So, much much better than your typical posters these days. And you're okay with floating giant heads? It's not a floating head though. It's it, it was a, it's a profile action shot. Okay. You know, it it's it's evocative of flight and that's, you know, what it's supposed to be. Um it's it's like a superhero poster. And even superhero posters these days are just either floating heads or people standing in the foreground looking constipated. (laughs) True. (laughs) It's such a a brief book that I feel like we could talk about some of the differences between it and the movie because they're quite different. Um, For instance, the antagonist in the book is a giant space dragon, something. What was it? It was a space Um, dragon. Yeah. Space dragon, bat angel. Right. Space dragon, bat angel. Yes, that's it. Uh, That comes in on an asteroid. Apparently, and then slows down and lands. I think it
2: comes in as itself.
0: Yeah. It's yeah, big. Oh, it? okay.
2: they, they think it's a star at first, and then it gets closer and closer, and they realize it's not a star, but they don't know what it is until it's really close, and then they see a dragon, and then he lands on Australia, and he's the size of Australia. Well, actually, he's bigger than Australia. His head f- sits, f- sits on Australia, but his wings drape over into the ocean and stuff. Yeah. And when he lands, the entire Earth feels the quake.
0: I think they would. I think I think the tides would probably change. Right. And um, fr- from that standpoint, I don't. This is definitely not hard science fiction. I'll say that, <laughs> um, because right. it is a kid's book, right? Yeah. And so the the giant actually issues a challenge to the space angel. Whatever. But
2: why does he issue the challenge?
0: Why don't you Why don't you fill that in?
2: <laughs> well, so when the dragon lands, he threatens to eat everything on Earth, basically, or right. kill everything on Earth unless they feed him and they start feeding him but then they're like well we don't have anything else to feed you and so the iron giant is tasked to save them mm-hmm. and then he th- he challenges the dragon to a series of contests of feats of strength or feats of endurance actually yeah. i would say and they the giant subjects himself to extreme heat in what three times i guess
0: mm-hmm. yeah and uh Dragon. And the, the only analog the dragon can do is to to actually go to the surface of the sun, right. which yeah. is kind of hilarious.
2: Yep. And yeah. each subsequent time, the dragon is significantly weakened. Mm-hmm. Unlike the iron giant, who can recover pretty quickly from his fire. Yeah. And so the dragon leaves after he is unable to bear the surface of the sun for a third time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, he doesn't leave. He he admits that he loses, and the the, the giant issues a uh, a penance for that. Oh right, right. He has to fly just in front of the dawn and sing the music of the spheres. Right.
0: Yeah, and I. It's so he was drawn. I guess that's one of the one of the plot points, right? That he was drawn to Earth by the sound of war. Um, and and right. he does make he makes a reference to the music of the spheres. That it's something that he he misses, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and the music of the spheres is an interesting thing from like ancient natural philosophers before the kind of the dawn of science, um, that there were, you know, proportions in the movements of the celestial bodies and kind of the, it's also called the harmony of the spheres. Uh, one is that tidbit like the sound that, of the universe or something? Yeah, essentially. Oh. Um, it's not, it, it, so the Wikipedia <laughs> says this, this music is not, usually thought to be literally audible, but a harmonic mathematical or religious concept. Um, there's, a, there's a hymn that uh, that I know from church called, uh, This is My Father's World. And the, the first verse actually calls out the music of the spheres. So oh. it was something that, that cool. I'm like, that rings a bell. I'm going to have to look up what that is. Um, so I thought that was interesting, though.
1: So the movie is quite a bit different
0: from the book. Yeah. Right. And I, th- so like, what did you guys think of the book? I, I'm I'm also curious about what you guys thought of the artwork in the book, because I don't know if you got the same version I did.
2: I think I got it. Who did you say your illustrator was?
0: Laura Carlin.
2: Okay. I got a different one. My illustrator, because I just looked through my history in the library to figure out what it was.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and mine was Andrew Davidson.
0: Okay. That's the 1985 version. Yeah. So
2: I think mine I, I, was actually the republished version, because this is
0: 1999. But Yeah. So that's probably the one that came in to tie, came out to tie in with the movie.
2: Yes, because the cover had the movie a picture, the movie poster basically was the cover. Okay. So it. is the is the
0: ar- artwork similar to the
2: movie? Not at all. Oh. Okay. The artwork looks like it was something more original.
0: Okay. Not as cool.
2: horrible as you're making it sound, though. So I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, this was just like I mean, it, it, was, it was a like bit a more rough. Child.
2: It, 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 the artwork made the Iron Giant look more fearsome. But he mm-hmm. actually like had ears in the in the artwork. Oh, okay. Cause of, you know, the one part where he loses the ear, so he only had one ear in one of the scenes or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Colin, what about you? What 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 was
1: your book like? Uh it was it was physically large. You know, like bigger than eight and a half by eleven sheets of paper. Yeah, that's what mine was like. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's one of the things that made it stand out as a kid's book for me. Uh the artwork was very, very simple. Yeah. The print mm. was quite large. Print was quite large. Yeah. Uh, there were some fold out pages inside.
0: I really yeah. geeked out over those so to me you know the the yeah there mine had the fold out. I think you and I must have gotten the same one mm-hmm. i I think it's a delightful you know children's book, but it is quite silly really, when you think about it it's well, it's it's not a story silly. to take yeah, it's not a story <laughs> to take seriously is what I'm saying right w- where the iron giant movie is you know they they kind of add a message and and it's a little more serious.
2: Well, I mean, the the book had somewhat of a message, I think, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, essentially, the the we brought it on ourselves by being warlike. Right. That's that's where the visitor came from.
1: Well, they just took
2: the, it a few more steps in the movie. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah,
1: and the dragon doesn't defeat them by, or excuse me, the the giant doesn't defeat the dragon by using violence. He outsmarts him.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the, the humans tried to defeat him by violence, and the dragon laughs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your puny yep. weapons are nothing to me.
0: <laughs> puny humans. Yeah. The power of his station was insignificant to the power of the Force. Don't try to frighten us with your sorcerer's <laughs> ways, Lord James.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I find your lack of faith disturbing, Seth. So what do you think of the book?
1: Uh, I don't know that I would, I would read it out loud nowadays, but if my kids were 10 years younger, I would probably read it out loud to them. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd agree.
2: I think I read it out loud to Emily, actually.
1: Oh, did she, did she like it? <laughs> did you do voices? I've-
2: no, no, I didn't do voices. I don't think I read all of like, the entire thing either. Just like one of the stories, because the book I had was split. They they split it up
0: into different stories, actually. So I I was actually thinking as as I read it, I'm like, okay, so giant metal man fights alien. This book is totally just it's the basis of Pacific Rim. <laughs> so that's what we should have done. We should have just watched Pacific Rim. You should watch Pacific
2: Rim. True. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of movies, so what'd you think of the movie, Seth?
0: Well, as I said, this is one that, um, that one of my nephews was a huge fan of. And I remember when I was visiting my, (laughs) yeah, I was, I was visiting my sister in Alaska, you know, when it was out, they had a VHS copy of it and, and Jacob, my, my nephew, um, just watch it over and over. And so I saw bits and pieces of it there. And of course m- my sister like spoiled it for me. <laughs> it's like, Oh, and the robot can heal itself. I'm like, well, okay, I guess I'm not watching the movie then, <laughs> but it wasn't anything that I ever saw. And I, I don't know why I never brought it home for my son to enjoy, because I think he probably would have um, before he decided that he's a big kid now and doesn't need kids right. movies. Wrong attitude. Yeah, Totally. Totally. Well, there there is a time where you, like you're you're too old for kids movies and not old enough for kids movies because like mm. you, you, you I haven't
2: watched a kids movies since I was five years old the entire time.
0: Okay, well, there are exceptions. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Some people are wiser um,
0: than the rest of us. It's true. Yeah, true. The, I think C.S. Lewis in um, the Chronicles of Narnia he 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 mentioned something about you know for for children who are young enough to enjoy these and adults who are old enough to enjoy uh, them. Oh yes. Um, So, the movie. Yes. Yes. As we said, directed by (laughs) Brad Bird. Um, It's cool because it's a mixture of hand-drawn and computer animation. Mm -hmm. And it's done well enough that it doesn't, you know, the CG stuff doesn't stand out as CG. Um, You know, some of the Disney movies like Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin had portions of them that were computer generated and you could totally tell when it switched. But I felt like the Iron Giant, they did it. They struck a really nice balance um, making the computer stuff look hand-drawn. And there there was an article on Blaster, I think, not too long ago um, from Brad Bird talking about kind of the demise of hand-drawn animation. And I'll have to uh, I'll have to put that in the show notes. Yeah. It would be a shame if it became a lost art form. It would. I mean, everything's CG now since Toy Story. So. And Brad Bird made an awesome animated film that was CG. The Incredibles. Best and, superhero movie ever. And, and Ratatouille as well. Oh, I forgot he made that one. And he made a good oh, live-action one, uh, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol, and Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland. Yes. Did anybody see that? I don't think anyone saw that. No, I saw it. Oh, you did? Yeah. And think? they totally had a plug-in
2: in the movie for it too.
0: Oh, really? Yeah.
2: That's actually it's one of the uh, added bits, not an added scene, but an added part, I suppose.
1: Oh, the the TV ad. Uh huh. Yeah. Cool.
2: The, so that's what I wanted to ask you, Seth, since you saw the original one, and uh-huh. both of us saw the the one in the theater,
1: mm-hmm.
2: there was, and we might be, we might be jumping ahead of ourselves, but too bad. Yeah, there, there's bad. a, there's a part where there, I think it's Hogarth is watching TV and he's watching some, you know, horror movie where some brain comes yeah, yeah. alive or something like that. And there's a commercial that cut, that cuts in the middle of the movie uh, for Tomorrowland. Uh, oh, interesting. So like Disney and Tomorrowland or something like that. And huh. I mean, I, which I thought was really weird at first. Cause I'm like, this isn't a Disney movie. How the heck are they getting Tomorrowland? <laughs> hmm. And I, I stayed for, I watched the credits. Um, and it turns out that Brad somehow Brad Bird had managed to get licensing or li- approval from Disney to use Tomorrowland in, hmm. in this movie. And I'm, I'm willing to bet it's because he directed Tomorrowland. But
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the downside would be to doing something like that.
2: No, nah, nothing, anything, nothing at all. I just thought it was weird yeah, at first.
0: I'd think maybe DreamWorks would be like, no, 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 we're not going to drive any business their right? way.
2: I think this was Warner Brothers. Oh, is it? Not, I, don't I think yeah. you're right.
0: Warner Brothers, not DreamWorks. Yeah. Go and be all factual. Yep, Warner Brothers, you are yeah. correct. I know. Well, so I I guess I could talk about my general impressions of the movie. Um, since I, I did not see the new one, you guys can talk about the some of the differences and what you thought of the re-release one. Sure. Um, I really liked the movie. I th- I thought it was tremendously well done. I... I thought it was great how they managed to get a lot of emotion into the robot without a lot of speech. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the animators did a did a bang up job on that. Um, it is interesting that it was set during the Cold War, and it, that may be why you know kind of trivia about it. It was kind of a box office flop, or not even kind of. I mean, eighty million dollar oh, really? budget. It it cleared thirty million at the box office. Wow. Well,
1: if, if you read enough about it it says it flopped because there was no marketing for it
0: yeah well but the other part is I and I think setting a movie in 1957 and wow. then and then giving it to kids you know in the in 1999 right. you know, these kids don't you know their grandparents would remember <laughs> 1957 and sure. and so you know the cold War Probably didn't compute, really. So, like, for kids of our generation, I mean, definitely me and Colin, maybe not so much James, but, I mean, you you did grow up during part of the Cold War. And so the idea of nukes flying was not something that seemed far-fetched to me. But a kid in 1999 might go, well, that's weird. Why would anybody ever do that?
2: I was educated by Red Dawn. Ah, excellent.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed the movie. I thought the kid did a great... Voice performance. Everybody, really, the voice cast was quite good. I liked Harry Connick mm-hmm. Jr. Mm-hmm. Um and I. What about liked Vin the Diesel? Guy.
2: Vin Diesel, he's
0: right up in there. Yeah, yes. he did a good job. Yeah. You know, he 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 can do a lot <laughs> with a little in in voice acting. I did think, you know, there there was some stuff in it that that strained credulity just a little bit. Like, exactly, did the Iron Giant pick up a car, take half a bite out of it, and then set it back down? It tasted bad. Yeah, I guess, but right. but then he finished it off. You know, because that was the. um Agent of the government, whatever his name was. (laughs) Even so, it was cool.
1: You know, as an adaptation, because the original story was so small, there is quite a bit more to the movie. Um, Yeah. It brings in the the superhero element. It brings in the buddy movie. Uh, It brings in Mm -hmm. the scary government agent from
0: E.T. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it is E.T. It hits a lot of the same beats. Right. Right. Yeah. I was going to argue that no this is a faithful adaptation because the the theme of man's man being warlike is that um is is definitely there and that that central part of it is is yeah totally there. James, why don't you talk about the movie what do you think?
2: Uh yeah, I liked it. Um from most of the reasons you just said actually. I I liked that they didn't have the dragon because it would have been I w- I think it would have conf- added too much for the story they currently had. Yeah. Cause they did have quite a few stories going together with, you know, Hogarth kind of seemed like he was seeking a father figure of sorts. And they had Mm -hmm. opposing foggy figures with the agent, uh, the government game man, G man. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, I don't know what the heck you want to call that guy. The artist, I suppose. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. The junkyard artist,
2: the junkyard artist. Right. Uh, I I like the portrayal of the iron giant. I thought it was really awesome. Uh, Going back to what you said with
0: how much he communicated without using words. Yeah,
2: especially because you know he had no words in the beginning.
0: I so if if to me if there's a highlight in in the voice performances, I thought uh, Christopher McDonald as what was his name Kent Mansley. Watch, well, look uh, it up the, there, the Scout. Yeah, Kent Kent Mansley, Scout. Yes. <laughs> good good reference. Yes, from the Bureau of Unexplained Phenomena. Right. But he's, uh, Christopher McDonald is the guy who played um, Shooter McGavin in Happy Gilmore. Oh, really? You know, so he, <laughs> he, awesome. he can play like a really douchey character. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, really well. Uh, He's just yeah, skilled he was, at that. <laughs> he was really good.
1: I like the Superman tie in.
0: Yeah, that yeah. was cool. And, and there was, I think there was a, they were kind of showing actual t- uh, covers of Superman because there was one with uh, like, yeah, they were. Yeah, the robot. Totally. I can't remember what it's called in the movie. And yeah, the, the nice, um, uh, you know, message. You are what you choose to be. Mm-hmm. That 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 we have agency. You know, it's not all predestination.
2: So I one thing I actually noted was the
0: guns are bad kind of
2: feel from the movie. The message, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Except for the Hogarth plays with the BB beacon.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, which just about gets him killed in the junkyard. Right. So I really liked when when the giant transformed, mm-hmm. and like he had the he had. Um, appendages that reminded me of war of the worlds. Oh yeah. Those are oh, yeah. Was cool. Yeah. Totally. And then I, 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 di- I liked, you know, going along with the theme, you are what you choose to be where, where later his, his innards were telling him to go into combat mode and he just, you know, blocked his eyes so he wouldn't see what was stimulating him to, right, to, right. to, go combat. Yeah. That it's, was kind of cool. I like the swimming scene. Yeah. <laughs> <The> <laughs> <cannonball>. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love it when he was that distracting was the
1: agent trying to keep him away from the Iron Giant, and he fed him X lax at the, at the restaurant where his mom works. Yeah. Right.
0: I, was, I was listening. Uh, the Incomparable did an episode on this um, a while back, and they, they commented, a surprising number of poop jokes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the prayer scene. That is awesome. And, and people will have heard that at the beginning of the episode because it, it has to be included. Yes. I would have
1: totally taught that to my kids if we had seen the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, how did it look on the big screen? Oh,
2: I love a it movie on the big screen. Yeah, I thought the animation was cool. I liked the how it was mostly hand drawn. Uh, I couldn't really tell what wasn't hand drawn. I guess actually, so I want to say most of it was. I don't really know what wasn't, but yeah, I most know that of was, it was that was his goal too. I believe right, Brad Bird's goal was to get most as much as he could hand drawn. Mm-hmm. Um, judging from the. What little bit of a post-documentary we had.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. we got little snippets of what's going to be on the special release. Yeah. I don't think it's exactly an anniversary edition. Hmm.
0: All right. Oh, so they are making a new DVD with the remastered and everything. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh,
2: cool. I believe so. And yeah, it's funny because at the beginning of the film, before they showed the film, they had Brad Bird come on and he's like, you know, stick around for this post-movie documentary stuff. And I thought it was going to be like this holy cool documentary thing. And then after the movie ended up being like, two minutes of stuff that they were going to put on the DVD. Yeah.
0: Merchandising. Dang it. Yeah, we bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
1: So some interesting trivia about the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad Bird has made, I want to say, five movies. Every single one of them, except for Tomorrowland, scored above 90% uh, at RottenTomatoes.com. Oh, wow. Nice. And the cool. only one that, did, that didn't do well was Tomorrowland. It came in at 50%. Yeah. Okay. Right on the bubble. Wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, what, what is the Iron Giant out of curiosity? Ninety Well, I
1: was say it's like ninety
0: six or something like that. Yeah, ninety-six. It yeah. may be nice. the best
1: rated movie we have ever watched.
0: Yeah. It was an outstanding film. Yeah, we'd have to see. I mean, I I would I would be surprised if Jurassic Park wasn't right up there. And um right. and The Martian was, has been getting pretty good That's critical true. response mm-hmm. too.
1: Mm-hmm. And the so. you know, the theater experience of seeing it in the movie with other kids and, and adults worked really well for me. I thought the sound there was was good quality. Um, nice
0: yeah, I love Fathom Events. It's a lot of fun. D- why don't you guys talk about the uh, the extra scenes?
2: Okay. So James, didn't you
0: you looked up what they were, right?
2: I did not look up what they were, but okay. I was sitting... So I decided to sit down after the movie to collect my thoughts on the movie and write some stuff down. Uh-huh. And I ended up overhearing uh, a couple of people talking about what the added scenes were. Oh, nice. And then I later confirmed that it was with Colin who had read about it online. And there was, as far as I could tell, two additional scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was why? Well, I, so I, I I already mentioned Hogarth seeing the Tomorrowland commercial, which doesn't necessarily is not necessarily an added scene, but just a change in a scene. I yeah, think. they alternate. Yeah, and then the uh, one of the let's see the first added scene I think was where Dean falls asleep in front of the TV and he's seeing the dragon or not dragon sorry the Iron Giant's dreams, uh, being broadcasted onto the TV. And oh, interesting. We're seeing. Kind of the Iron Giant's history of... This is why I mentioned him as an extraterrestrial, I guess, probably. Uh-huh. <laughs> because we're seeing the, his history on his own planet uh, where he was a weapon
0: of war. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're kind of badass, too. So, mm-hmm. there's that. Yeah, to me, I, I'm i not sure we'd need a scene like that just because I felt like they did a good enough job setting it up. You know, you don't have to spoon feed right. everything to us. It, you can infer this was I obviously I think it just additionally
2: combat. showed the giant's strife. You know, his kind of... Yeah. Uh, What's his challenge, right? His yeah, obstacle. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he he was made as a weapon of war. Mm-hmm. It's very, very obvious now, I suppose. Um, which does kind of lend to what you just said. But <laughs> yeah. it, it makes it plainly obvious that he was made of a weapon of war and now he's choosing to change. Which, you know, one of the major messages of the movie. Along with hunting is bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, the second, the second scene was the cafe scene where Dean is talking to Hogarth's mother, Annie, at the counter in the diner.
0: Ah. There's the... Ch- there- chatting up mom? Yep. Chatting up mom. Without a squirrel up his pants? Without a squirrel this <laughs> Oh, the squirrel scene was <laughs> hilarious. <laughs>
2: <laughs> those were, those were the added, added stuffs. Um... As far as with the the benefit that they provided, I guess I would say the one scene where we actually get to see the giants broadcast the giants memories broadcasted, I thought was kind of cool. Uh, okay. You get to learn a little bit more about the giant, and I to me it kind of illustrated his
1: obstacle. Like I said, better. Yeah, it, um, it fleshes out yeah. his backstory, and it tells right. us that if he were ever confronted by violence, that you know things that we would not be able to control would happen. Right.
0: Yeah.
2: And then the the cafe the added cafe scene.
0: Definitely Hogarth's getting a new daddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. I guess I, I was thinking there there is a tie-in, a certain tie-in between this topic and our next one, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Okay. Colin, any further comments on the movie? You mentioned that uh,
1: it was not a commercial success, even though it... Uh, is kind of considered a cult classic now. It took right. around seven. Most cult or, classics are that way. <laughs> yeah. It took about Oddly seventy enough. or eighty million dollars to make. <laughs> and it only brought in thirty one million in the domestic box office. But it won a whole slew of awards. It was nominated mm-hmm. nominated for the Hugo for the Nebula. Um, it won nine Annies. There were a bunch of regional awards that it all got. And wow. probably more than anything is it launched Brad Bird's directorial career. Yeah. So he'd been a screenwriter. He had Mm -hmm. been director of animation for the Simpsons for eight years.
2: Oh, wow. Nice. Yep. He had done a
1: music Mm -hmm. video. And so this was kind of his, his first movie. And one of the cool things about it was, is they did it on half the budget and in half the time of most animated movies at the time.
0: Huh. Cool. That's cool. So one unfortunate thing with, with me was not seeing this in the theater. I had to get it from the library. Well, I didn't have to get it from the library, but that is what I did. And, one of the things about dvds that are targeted at kids <laughs> at the library is they are not what you would call gently used yeah. and and right. so mine was scratched to the point that in the big action scene um when when he's being chased by the military and trying to protect hogarth um and and when he first flies you know that like that entire scene was completely just glitched out on the, on the dvd i had to oh. i st- as soon as i saw where it had jumped to um, I went and looked up just like for YouTube clips to fill in what I had missed. Uh, so that that was a Jeez. bummer because that was it was a great action scene when I saw it, but I had to see it in in little clips. Right. Um, yeah.
1: I, I hate when that happens. So I'm <laughs> glad that that didn't prejudice you against the movie because sometimes no, 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 it's I'd... such a hard thing to get through that you're like, ah, it's just it wasn't mm, worth right. watching. You know.
0: Yeah. No, this one I was motivated to. I I almost went and just you know paid the 2 ninety nine or whatever from from amazon to to watch it um that way I thought it was interesting that that all it takes is a shouted order from from a general to launch a nuclear missile there's no codes no no um, safety measures in place <laughs> yeah that's that, not that, true. That, that those navy guys will just push that button when the army general tells them to
2: <laughs> right. well no they had already cleared the codes
0: oh had they yeah uh, they were they were right.
2: waiting on the the final word
0: from him to do it uh, so I was looking at like not trivia but g- errors and and people were saying that if the missile didn't didn't take its normal trajectory it actually would not detonate in the same way. Oh, so like him running into it would not cause it to actually m- make a nuclear explosion. It would just be a high high power conventional explosion. So that was hmm. interesting. And maybe maybe that's uh you know how he ended up surviving. Uh maybe. Yeah. I wondered if um, you guys have seen Super Eight, right? Yes. Yes. And in in that movie, there's the cubes of metal that want want to they're attracted to each other. Right. Right. And uh, one of the kids has one of those in his room, and it ends up shooting out of his room to the water tower. Um, and I wondered if that was kind of a reference uh, to the Iron Giant, where where that piece of the the giant begins beeping oh. at the end. <laughs> so yeah. I also felt like that was maybe not totally necessary to do that I mean we already knew it could heal itself so I didn't I didn't feel like we needed like well, if we had just seen the beeping we would have known oh it's oh, still yeah, out there okay, and okay. it's alive well right. um, that's not the original ending for the movie oh yeah the original no. yeah so
1: a little more backstory that I uh-huh. got off of Wikipedia uh Brad Bird had wanted to write and direct it but mm. the studio brought in a script writer and he was first pretty opposed to the idea until he read the actual film script and then liked it so much that they ran with it but they would talk about it. You know, he would talk to people on the set and talk to various other people, and say, "Hey, what do you think we should do? What do you think we should do?" Um, you know, get th- and then those ideas would filter into the screenwriter and he and they would work them all out. But in the end, uh, the robot, the giant, was not supposed to live. He was supposed to die, hmm. and the United States and Russia were supposed to go into war. And the scriptwriter kind of pulled him aside <laughs> and said, "Look, wow. you can't kill ET."
2: That's yeah. That's and so dying. they wrote this new <laughs> alternate ending,
1: which which I thought was you know very. Very child friendly they could right. have made it darker if they had It's very hopeful gone with right? A. yes, yeah, yeah,
2: well, I think it was very well, hopeful, which is kind of what well, if this was actually released in the cold War time frame it would have been something that people needed mm-hmm. um but yeah.
1: yeah well, and we 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 hear stories now as you get declassified about just how close to um uh an incident we were in the last seventy years,
0: yeah. Yeah, I did enjoy the uh the duck and cover jingle. <laughs> you know, cause like like yeah. Right. I, bad news is you're getting new good news is all you have to do is duck and cover and you will be <laughs> fine. You know? Yes. Like, this is just to guarantee um, your body parts don't fly off and kill somebody else
1: innocently. Yeah. On the other hand, I remember doing duck and cover drills. So. Right. I don't
2: know. I think all I got to do is jump in the refrigerator. Yeah, oh, that too. shut up you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it worked for Indy. It could work for me. That movie does not exist. It has been replaced with Star Star Trek reboots. No, those don't exist either. You can't trade one fantasy for another. Oh, yes, I can. Any other favorite favorite scenes or anything like that? There was a scene oh i'm gonna get in trouble for this. There's a scene where so
1: Hogarth is a, a single child with uh only a mom. We don't know whatever happened to his dad he's just kind of gone but and his mom works really, really hard to try and support the two of them. But I think his
2: dad was his dad was a pilot in the lore and he died
1: okay
0: yeah i I just kind of inferred that i wasn't sure if it was explicitly stated yeah but
1: there's a scene where his mom comes home or the the junkyard guy shows up, and he's holding a Twinkie in one hand and a can of whipping cream in the other. <laughs> and so, and they, but he doesn't say anything else about it. You don't see anything happen. Um, and so, I sat there and I've I thought about that for several weeks. And finally, I went out and I got. Uh, three Twinkies, and uh, we had a can of whipping cream at home, and so we, you know, what could you do? Cause like overfill them, it's like no, you can for a little bit, but then they split open and it kind of goes everywhere.
2: Wait, wasn't there a scene in there where Hogarth was? He was home alone watching this scary movie. He wasn't supposed to watch late at night. Yeah, and he f- he filled the Twinkie up.
1: Is that what I'm remembering?
2: Yeah, yeah, he he filled the Twinkie up with extra whipped cream. It like got really big. Didn't explode in his face, but it got really big. And then when he took a bite out of it, it did explode in his face. Oh, okay, okay.
1: Yeah, I don't remember that part. I just remember the part That's where he's like holding in his hand. But yeah, so I tried this and they don't explode in your face, but it will split open and then, you know, whipped cream will kind of ooze out. And
2: Yeah, nice. Beauty. Yes. yeah. Because, you know, they had tons of Twinkies back then because it's the only thing that would survive a nuclear war. I think right. this was a 1965 <laughs> Twinkie. Yes.
0: Oh, yeah. So there it was period go. accurate. I, I, I did like the espresso scene. Oh. When he just goes into motor mouth mode. <laughs> that was awesome. Did anybody else think it was strange to have a, a power station to have like a master off switch, not even behind a fence? <laughs> yes. Although you could make the argument that the Iron Giant had probably had already eaten the fence. Probably. How about that? Yeah. There we go. True. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. In fact, I what, think he did. It made me wonder what uh, Iron Giant droppings would look like. Mm. Or maybe it perfectly processes metal somehow.
2: I'm going to go with perfectly processes. Yes. There we go.
0: I don't want to think about that. that. <laughs> that that's how it heals itself, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> the, the dent in its head, Colin, reminded me of uh, Buck Rogers. There's an episode where Crichton gets a knock on the head, and, and, yes. and it harms his positronic brain. Yeah. <laughs> think about the brain. Think about the brain. Yes. <laughs>
1: So, Seth, why don't you? you know, maybe I, I think we've done a pretty good coverage here. We've talked about how uh, successful it was, how accurate as an adaptation it was, mm-hmm. uh, things that we liked about it. Uh, why don't Why don't we wrap up and then talk about how you think this ties into our next work?
0: Okay. Uh, do we want to rank them then? Oh yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, why don't you go first, Colin? Movie book. Okay, it has to happen sometimes. It does. True. And James, Ditto. movie book. We are unanimous. Um, yes. I, yeah, I, I I love the movie, and I, I'm not really sure it's a good adaptation of the book. Uh, it it took a good inspiration from it. Kind mm-hmm. kind of went well. Here's this concept. Let's upsize the giant a little bit because the giant wasn't quite as large in the in the book. Right. Um, and replace the kind of silly children's book antagonist with something more real. Right. Um,
2: I think I think they took the main point the the war point right yeah and expanded upon that made it more made it more real
0: well it made it a lot more explicit right because the military figures heavily in there where they become an antagonist Um, but it's not it's not just the military becoming an antagonist it's just kind of and this is where the tie-in comes uh he's kind of the frankenstein's monster right being driven out by the villagers because they don't realize that he might not be evil
1: Right. Judged by right. what he looks like rather than who he is. Yeah. yeah. I do want to say, though, that uh, even though it's a divergent adaptation where it starts off very similar in source material, I have the same complaint against this movie as I do against They Live and 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> they they totally should have given Kent a dragon tattoo,
0: and that would have made it for me completely. So because the dragon didn't make it in there, yep. that, that's your yep. that's your 8 o'clock in the morning? That's my 8 o'clock in the morning <laughs> moment There was right no there.
1: dragon. There was no dragon. Uh, okay.
2: Dragons true. are pretty awesome. I was kind of hoping there would be a dragon. Yeah,
1: they
0: Somewhere, had a bunch of somehow. had a bunch of military guys, right? They, they could have
1: they could have yeah. put it on the
0: side of the missile. They could have put it anywhere.
1: Yeah, on one of the
0: tanks. On a tank. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I'll give you that one.
1: <laughs> but I, I I diverted you from talking about Frankenstein.
0: No, no, that that was really the whole point. Was was just it just there's some beats in it that remind me of the story of Frankenstein, mm-hmm. where you know he didn't ask to be created the way he was, right? And and he's being discriminated against hated for for what he is when he doesn't necessarily even want to be that
2: mm-hmm. more so what it looks like but
0: more so what okay. he looks like yeah um and he's fighting his nature right and, and we'll talk about it when we talk about frankenstein next time about how much fighting of his nature did the monster do he laments the fact that his nature did bad things but we'll we'll, we'll get, get back there. to that yeah, yeah. that sounds uh, way more and,
1: philosophical
0: than i'm going to be able to do <laughs> Okay, I, I can I can help out with that. So on that note, I think I think we're wrapped on this one. We've, we've ranked it. Um, and so next time, it's so weird, though, to be talking about everybody go out and read Frankenstein when it's not for Halloween. We're recording this on the 1st of November. So Halloween is yesterday. Um, but I guess what I would say is that anybody out there, if you want to enjoy our next podcast, it's going to be about Frankenstein. And this is a book that I read a couple years ago for Halloween because I was culturally aware of it, but I had never read it, and really enjoyed it. And so I have been looking forward to talking about it on a podcast. Right. Opinions within the pavement pounders vary on <laughs> on the quality of the book, so it should make a good discussion.
2: I think it is worth noting that we did originally plan on doing Frankenstein in October for Halloween. It is and true. the Martian in November, because it was supposed to come out in November. Yeah. They and swapped. And then them. the yeah the release time swapped
0: yeah so so yeah it's not our fault so we blame the production companies it's their fault not ours yeah yep but so the other part though with frankenstein is of course we're not going to be able to catch all the adaptations because there's so many of them i did and actually end up watching the uh silent film version of it it's on youtube it's from the edison company um and uh it's a very interesting one colin you need to watch it because it fits somewhat nicely with your point of view on frankenstein
1: oh my pet theory
0: yeah, you're with your pet theory, and we'll, we're going to save that one for next time. Yes, good. Um, but what what I would like to see, though, is for anybody to hit us up on Facebook or Twitter and tell us what your favorite adaptations of Frankenstein are. Um, and we're not going to be able to get to all of them, so if you right. want to send us an email saying, hey, we, I love this version because, you know, then then we might read that out on the next show. Mm-hmm. So the website is pavementpodcast.com, and all of our social media is pavementpodcast as well. So, and all the links are up on the website. But right. facebook.com slash pavement is a great place to find us. And you can give us a like there. We'd like that if you did it. See what I did there. Mm-hmm. And you can even give us a rating in iTunes if you want, or on Stitcher or on TuneIn Radio. That would also be awesome. But before we sign off, I also wanted to give a shout out to a podcast that I've been interacting with on Twitter. And that is Book versus Movie. Uh, this is two ladies named Margot. Which I think is awesome that they're, that they have the same name, uh, who talk about, they'll, they'll read a book and watch the movie and decide which they like better. And they have covered a couple things that we've covered. So they did The Stepford Wives and Jurassic Park. And I listened to both their episodes and thought they were tremendous. So they
2: actually um, agreed with us on Jurassic Park, right? Uh,
0: they didn't agree with Colin.
2: <laughs> who, who does agree with Colin? Touche. Although right.
1: I will have to say, there are, you know, two people named Colin on the show. James keeps wanting to change
0: his name. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Let's see. You, you can look them up on bookversusmovie.com. It's all all spelled out. Um, all the words spelled out. Versus even spelled out. And uh, we are in talks to have some kind of a crossover, and I'm not sure how that will take place, if we'll just cover the same material or if we'll cross over a guest or two. Um, but it, it, that'll be next year. We, we're in planning into next year already, because we're all full up for this year. Only we're not going to talk about what we're doing for Christmas. That's going to be a surprise. Shh. Ooh, Christmas surprise. Don't tell the kids. All right, so we're wrapped, so uh, look for us again at the end of next month when we cover Frankenstein, which will be awesome, I think. Frankenstein. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And Frankenstein, of course. (laughs) Uh, But until then, we'll leave you with the Pavement Pounder's Blessing classic version. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the book always fall open to where you left off. And remember, you are who you choose to be. Uh, yeah. It used to be paid completely in wine,
1: uh, which I thought would interest James. And, and James uh, is like, I'm going to awesome. start writing some poetry.
2: <laughs> Mine was physically small. That's what she said.
0: <laughs> I've got that recorded now, James. <laughs> I, I can slide that in anywhere. Touché. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, I'm experiencing a weird Skype time warp. What I would say is that anybody out there, if you want to enjoy our next podcast, it's going to be about the iron... I'm oh, Sorry. <laughs> Uh, Frankie
2: sad pie is Frankie